You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. One cool aspect, and um, Peter actually wants to you know do a formal episode or two like video setup and we're really intrigued by that because we try to be adventurous so um yeah you know i just like uh like you're in your studio and stuff like that and there's such a an entry into like whoa you know i um i started painting about five years ago uh for the first time in my life um and then i became fascinated with your habits more in other painters habits more just to see how you do it i've never taken an art class or anything so i try to see what you have around right right or, or how you have it set up because it's almost like elementary for me some of that some yeah of that yeah stuff. well i think studio visits you know visually would be a fantastic idea um because i think i've always thought of i i love visiting other artist studios because it's like walking into their brain yeah you you just get to see like not only what they're working on but how they work and the things they collect you know and artists are always on some level sort of pack ratty you know yeah (laughs) all the artists I friends I have anyway and so it's so fascinating going to the studios and seeing the process you know for me it's all about things just stuff happens in the process because you're engaged in the process and um, that's so important, especially uh, in my main medium over the years has been printmaking, different kinds of printmaking. So, you know, I have an etching press now and I have, you know, other equipment, but should I just go start into my process? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, everybody, we're talking with Talmadge Doyle. Uh, this is the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and uh, I'm 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 really excited to talk to to Talmadge. Um, uh, be just really intrigued by the 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 depths of her art. Thinking about the cosmos and and the environment, I found myself very engaged with her work and really kind of immediately thinking uh, when I've seen her art. So, uh, Talmadge uh, is a, a teacher, a screen maker, um, and uh, and um, artist, and based in Eugene, Oregon. Talmadge, thanks for coming on to the show and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I get to talk about art a little bit. So I really appreciate you here. And, uh, you know, talking a bit about the the studios and um, just, you know, the the place that that you make art. I've, I've noticed one of the things that you mentioned for myself, uh, pack ratty or you know, the slight obsessions. And um, once I, once I had an easel, I had a, a space beneath the easel for storage and um, not knowing how I would behave or what I would put there, I became fascinated by the different type of like cutouts I would collect or just like, um, like masks and different pieces of paper and photographs. And I'm like, okay, now I get the artist thing. Like I need this for later. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I love 
I love talking about um, talking about the artist space, and um, it's it's nice to see uh, where you work. But um, Talmadge, uh, originally from New York City, uh, uh, out in the Pacific Northwest um, for for a long time, and um, you have a very uh, your your work is 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 very uh, I would say intricate, and like I said, I'm pulled in and engaged by what. I'm seeing um, the environment is a huge uh, component of, of, of your work. And I think, you know, part of the reason you do the work that you do, I found that in my show, I've had the environment in and out, you know, as a topic, I know intellectually it is the biggest crisis facing human beings right now. I've come to that belief and I believe that. Mm-hmm. And I like the opportunity to talk to you about, obviously the environment not being an ancillary concern for artists. Can you talk about the environment in, in, in your work and what you're trying to do? Okay, that's a big question. I'll try and answer that question. So um, all along the way, my work is about being, you know, from the very beginning has been about um, the connection with nature and um, I think as the climate, cli- the climate crisis has been building and building over the years, um, I, the content of my work has sort of leaned more towards that. About maybe 10 years ago, I started um, doing work that was subtly but more directly um, involved with issues of climate change. And um, so my work is not like a, like a hit you in the head activist sort of statement and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not the way I work. So I, <laughs> I guess later, you know, I, this hasn't been planned, but I, but I sort of realized along the way that my, um, my work sort of, I wanna draw people in with, with beauty and then have them realize what the work is about. Um, for example, um, in my latest work, the latest series that I've been working on, Celestial Oceans, um, it was very inspired by this phenomenon called the blob. You might've heard of it. This, in, in a nutshell, a large warm mass of water that was found by scientists off the coast of Alaska. I think it was 2013 and then started in getting bigger and moving down through the Pacific Northwest and California and coast. And um, it was wreaking havoc on uh, marine life on all levels. And so I started working on images about that you know, about this. And I, if I had a slideshow here, I would show you, but you know, this is, this is talk, so I can't do that. But, but I got very interested in, in color in terms of temperature. And so a lot of my work in this series, the current series is, uh, shows a lot of um, contrast with bright orange and yellows, warm colors, and then cool blues and greens. So that is how I worked on, I'm working on expressing that. Yeah. 
And um, I've really gotten into looking at um, microscopic uh, life forms in the ocean, as you can tell by looking at my work too, and invasive species. I just fin um, finished up a project. Um, it's actually a printmaking portfolio with a group of artists um, that are doing a collective portfolio about invasive species with the Marine uh, Smithsonian Marine Science Center in Maryland. And so those, those portfolios, I believe there's 18 of us printmakers. So every printmaker did an edition. These are edition prints, hand pulled edition prints of 25. And so there'll be all these portfolios made up and each artist will get a set of prints and then the other portfolios will travel to different exhibitions and they'll be shown at the Smithsonian Marine Science Center and at the conventions that these scientists have, marine scientists have about invasive species. So that'll be interesting to see. I have not yet seen the group of prints yet, but I, I started doing these round compositions when I was working on those prints. And ever since I just haven't, gone back to working in a rectangle or a square. I've just been working in round uh, compositions, which is really interesting to all of a sudden work with after so many years of working in a rectangle to not have any corners. It's, it's really freeing. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I'm out of this box. You know, it's great. So that, that has been real interesting. That's sort of a new development. And did I answer your question? You absolutely <laughs> did. I, I, and part of the thing is, part of the thing is, um, I, 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 I love, I love your description because with um, the colors and the shapes and and the way you describe them, um, it really helped me uh, to 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 under to think about your thinking, but uh, it has to do with um, how you invite folks in there. I, I mean, you said right off the bat with the environment, there's nothing wrong with overt shock um, political art to be like, "Hey, man, this is completely messed up. Take notice." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that's hey, I, I need that. And um, but looking at how you enter into the world that we're talking about, the environment or what that's what's there so you're there and there's signals of threat with within that i think your description of color immediately i think i would know that but i can feel more the experience of seeing the contrast the color just like i would look on a chart and be like well that deep red must be wrong because it's supposed to be cooler than that you know right and and, and, and notice so i like i like being brought into um uh, into the world you describe and, and to encounter the environment that way. I wanted to ask um, one of the questions because uh, that first one was a monster and I didn't tell you I was asking it, but that's the way the show goes sometimes. <laughs> but um, uh, I, what the question I like at the, at the beginning and it, it's, it's common, but fascinating to me uh, about your artistry or creativity of you humans in general. Were you an artist when you were born? I, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> and I've thought about that, you know, listening to your podcasts, I, I hear you talk about that. And 
I don't really know for sure, but I do know that I was born with an inclination to become an artist because it's the only thing that was really one of the only things that was very interesting to me um, as a child. And so I feel though that I became an artist through practice over the years and Maybe I was always an artist and I became more of an artist. I don't really know. But I do know that when I was a kid, it was always my way of just having alone time, just going to a space where I could be alone. And yeah. um, <laughs> this is funny. I was thinking the other day, I used to do these paint by number things when I was a kid with like this little oil paint set. And oh. I mean, this was a long time ago, right? They like gave oil paints to children. And um, I just loved sitting in a space alone and doing these intricate things. So it's always been sort of part of what I need to do for my brain. Like, I feel like um, for as long as I could remember, I'm definitely most happy when I have, I'm working on something, you know, um, you know, that solitary, repetitive kind of work really feeds my, um, I don't know if it builds my serotonin, or I think yeah. it does, but amongst many other things, it's just good for my brain and for my peace of mind. And I feel like if I, if there's time, when there's times in my life where I, I'm working, you know, on another job that I need to do, or things are just really busy and I haven't gotten to my studio for a few days or a week or whatever, I'm traveling. I, I'm just like, I can't wait to get back and, and have some time to be able to do that. And it is a luxury. And I think, you know, to be able to have this wonderful studio that I have and have time um, to yeah. do that, um, you know, over the years, I think artists really have to, I know I'm sort of going off on a tangent, but that's, I think what, artists... you, that's what you're supposed to do on the okay, show. Okay, good. <laughs> that is, that is this show. <laughs> okay, good, good. Tangents. I like that. So I think that um, artists really have to be determined to organize their lives so that they do have time to work because everything is pulling you in a million directions. And, you know, you have to set down parameters and um, everyone, of course, is a different in a different situation, you know, financially and family and all those things. Um, but I know that artists have to continue, continually struggle to make that space in their lives and actually arrange their lives so they can work. And, um, you know, it's really hard when you have kids and, and it's hard when you have other jobs. So it's just it always, always an effort to do that. Um, yeah. I think for, for every artist I know anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, th I, I think there's, um, you know, when I get the opportunity to, to talk to artists, you know, on my show, and there, there's certainly a learning process um, for me to, to, to hear about, you know, how you do it. And, um, you know, I'm somebody who does art on the side, in, including this podcast. And there are those very fundamental things to deal with. And I think uh, space... And I think for me in thinking about it, a lot of times it's the routinization, not in a boring way, but the routinization of like how you 
do things and when you do things to allow yourself, like you said, when you're away from it, you want to get back in and I'm not, I don't know your experience, but move through the motions in the strokes or the processes for you to feel like you're breathing. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, the, the challenges and the opportunities that, that you say, you know, you appreciate that you have and we get the benefit from it. And, uh, so, so thank you for creating the space that you create for yourself as, as, <laughs> as, as, as an artist. Um, I, uh, I know uh, one of the things that was very impressive and, you know, reading more about, uh, you right now is my gosh, you have work in a lot of wonderful, fascinating, uh, places. I saw of the Seattle art museum, um, uh, Oregon state university. I saw, uh, Italy and, and, in Portugal, just for a little glimpse in, uh, right. for us, what, what's, what's mm-hmm. it like right now to have work that you deem you put yourself into it. It's important to you in, and of course, what you're trying to convey is important. What's it feel like to have, your work in in so many places and, and knowing so many people will see it? Um, you know, that's, that's uh, a really good question. Um, I want to start that conversation by talking about printmaking, you know, so I do um, different printmaking techniques, um, you know, very, um, their traditional printmaking. I work. I work on copper plates. I work work on pieces of wood and carve them. I combine mediums. I do mono printing, one of a kind prints. I do addition prints, and printmakers have a lot of opportunity in the world to show their work um, for several reasons. One is that they're on paper, so they're easy to send. So I can send things to Europe. Well, now I used it used to be cheap, but it's not now. Um, but I can send. I mean, as opposed to sending a canvas or a sculpture, you know, forget it. That would be way, way too expensive. So I can send prints through the mail, um, and there are print exhibitions all over the world. And and the other wonderful thing about being a printmaker is that printmakers network together so extensively. I mean, I belong to uh, four or five different printmaking organizations, like there's Seattle Print Arts, there's Los Angeles Printmaking Society, there's um, Print Arts Northwest, which is based in Portland, which is a regional organization of printmakers. And there's national organizations. I belong to the Boston Printmaking printmakers and you know all and Atlanta printmakers I mean all these people organize exhibitions that you can enter and and then there's the international exhibitions there's a lot of um, uh, mini print exhibitions so smaller prints that are it's it's really a tradition in Europe um, to uh, the miniature print and so I can send cheaply prints over there to be shown and pr- Europe loves to buy prints. You know, there's a, such a deep uh, tradition yeah. in Europe to buy prints, and um, so it does. It feels great to be able to do that. You know, all. I mean, I work. I, I think the reason um, I work is so it's my way of connecting with the world, with other people. You know, sort of 
sharing what I do and who I am and what I love to do. And so those uh, relationships with other people that love art and other artist friends of mine are so important. I mean, it just keeps me uh, going yeah. uh, to, to have those relationships. I don't know how anybody works really in isolation. I mean, of course, during the pandemic, we were all isolated and some artists to some extent enjoyed it because I think many artists are sort of maybe on the introverted side and love having time alone. Um, and that's me, I think. I love having time alone. I love being social too, but I'm not an extreme introvert. But I think that uh, having those connections um, and not just showing your work, but having uh, conversations with other artists or other people that love and appreciate art is so important. Yeah. So being a printmaker has been a huge part of my artistic life. And I love to paint too. A lot of my new work is painting, but I, I'm always doing prints as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and I, I love both your work. I, I for me, and, and I should never state any, my ultimate prep there's for me with painting there's some type of magic going on there that I've never been able to explain so I'm always like most drawn to that mostly because I don't understand or I'm fascinated by the magic that's there as much like for me as a personal reaction so um I think we all kind of have our like little areas where we're like I still don't get what you've done. You're some wild magician and, and, and you've done it. And I see that with painters. So I, I adore painting and, um, and, and I, I love your work and, and the prints uh, are, are, are just, are just amazing. And everybody, we're talking to Talmadge Doyle and, um, and uh, we're talking about art and creating art and uh, the, the environment. Um, and we're talking out here uh, in Oregon. And um, we have uh, one, of, one of the things I wanted to, to mention on what you were saying right there, uh, Talmadge, is that our mutual friend, Peter Bauer, uh, he and I talked many times about how in us doing the show, we both are organizers and thinking and maybe for social justice, uh, labor issues, but our deep interest in the arts and music and, and, and painting. And it, we quickly realized that there was like, it was, uh, there's arts organizing that happens that is so vibrant and it can be connected to all those issues um, that, that, that we talk about. So when you were talking about how you collectively get together and you connect with these groups and there's this mutual aid. It's, it's been exciting to hear about how groups of people get together and get what they need to get it done, you know? Right. Right. It, it's, it's yeah. inspiring. Yeah. And another thing I want to mention, because I, I know a lot of artists are interested in this and, um, and non-artists, you know, about, eight or nine years ago, I started to do, I was in the position where I could leave town more often. And I started to do artist residencies in different parts of mainly, you know, North America. And um, these are places often, you know, there are artist residencies all over the world. But the places that I picked to apply to were places in extraordinary environments, um, 
like UCross Foundation in Wyoming, and uh, there's a place called the Kingsboro International Artist Residency in New Brunswick, Canada, on the Bay of Fundy, where the highest tides in the world happen. I was able to go there about three years ago. And um, also Sitka Center for Art and Ecology, which is on the Oregon coast. And sometimes I mention Sitka and you know, other artists never even heard of it. I'm like, oh, you've got it. You've got to find out about Sitka Center. It's a fabulous place. And then uh, there's also Playa in the Oregon Outback. It's um, an art uh, where art meets science is sort of how they describe it. So, and, and the same with Sitka, the scientists and artists um, around issues of the environment. So you actually go to these residencies and live for a period of time. What, and it's, it varies whether it's a week, two weeks, six weeks, Sometimes they're really long, uh, long residencies, but I really can't uh, afford to do that. But um, you live in these environments and it's not, it doesn't feel like being a tourist. You actually live there and you just get to soak it all in, you yeah. know, the air, the water, the, the forests or the desert, you know, wherever you are. And it just has a profound, the environment for me just has a profound impact on my life and my work and it's hard to describe actually how that happens but it's very interesting what happens to um, my brain when I put myself in a very different environment and I don't have all the regular things at home that I need to do and to take care of it's just you know you have a studio and you have time and um, there's also other residents that you get to meet and network with. So there's people from all over the world that come to these residencies and you get to connect with them. So it, that's been, for me, that's just been a huge benefit. It's been like the icing on the cake in terms of being an artist in, in my artistic life is having those opportunities to do residencies. And I know that all artists... Um, can't d always do that because of their commitments at home and job commitments and thing. But, but I would encourage people to try and arrange their lives to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and thank you for mentioning that because, um, you know, I, I was, I was listening very closely to what you were saying and I, I've, I've thought about the, the environment. The one thing that sparked in my head was I just read a, a shorter, it was a non-scientific study. It was a bit anecdotal, but it was in general, the effect I think is true. And they were talking about in this book, the three day effect when you're oh, separate yes. from in, and you're in nature that something happens to our physiology, our head, our patterns being in the woods after three days. Yes. Um, which is good, which is right. a good, which is a good, more holistic beneficial effect. But on that point, and what you're saying about being in a different environment, maybe being around different people, is tracing tracing what comes out over that time. Because I believe the transformation mm -hmm. is real. I've felt it. I haven't necessarily been dedicated to creating art through that. But that's something I've been thinking about, of seeing what is the thing that you produce from day to day as you immerse yourself into that mm -hmm. and I think they're going to be different different type of things and just for your own 
trailing of your own psychology or creative process. So, yes, yes. Oh, what, before I forget, the the most recent residency that I did, I wanted to mention. It's called uh, the Vashon Artist Residency. It's on Vashon Island, and Washington, and it was so beautiful to be there. And I, that's where I broke out of the box and started doing these round compositions. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really interesting because um, the, the founder of that, it's a fairly new residency and that's why I wanted to, another reason why I wanted to mention and make art, yeah. other art people aware of it for writers, scientists, our visual artists, yeah. is that um, I, w- I was there in January for the whole month and was such a treat and i found out the day before that i went there that the other artists that were supposed to be my cohort there uh were not becoming because of covid that was when like when the whole omicron yeah sure was uprising and so um kathy sarkowski called me and she said well i just wanted you to know that there's going to be nobody else there is that okay and i said sure that's great (laughs) That's fine. I mean, I do I have to pay extra for that? <laughs> right, I'm disappointed for those people, but I I just have no problem with being alone and working. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like a lot of artists might enjoy that. But anyway, um, that was the mo- one of the most beautiful places I have been to in my life, and I felt for- so fortunate to being there because the house where the residency is is right on the sound on, on wow. a beautiful bay. And so just being in that next to that water, I mean, I wish I knew scientifically what actually happens inside a human body when they get to go to such an extraordinary place, yeah. because I'd, I'd like to, you know, be able to clone that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I really, I really, I really love the discussion in, in this because there, you know, the nexus between how we feel you know, and making art or viewing art is is really a big reason that's developed in in, in my thinking, rather than one was that was at the uh, the outset. And yes, art is can be torture and difficulty and pain and suffering, but it tied to maybe different physiological experiences impacting the world for big, uh, for better the repetition of a brush stroke to make to calm our breathing or whatever it is yes. you know to 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 help us is become become a uh, become really sensitive to that and I love the conversation along those lines but I'm going to move right to the big question because we're using a word a real lot probably a billion times since the interview started and it's art but i have to ask you what is art we've been talking about it for a while what is art the big question well i know that art has many purposes in life and it varies from artist to artist person to person Um, For me, art has been a way or a language that I can communicate in the world that I have not felt with anything else. And maybe teaching art, the teaching that I've done has been important, um, but I feel like it's the way I connect in the world. 
And without it, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do or be or whatever. I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I think that it's hard to imagine a world without art. You know, can you imagine not having music? I mean, you know, I think everyone, e even though a lot of people don't really relate to visual art as much as maybe music, like I think everyone loves some kind of music, mm -hmm. it seems anyway. And, you know, music is such a beautiful expression and it has so many variations and, you know, everyone has some kind of favorite music or favorite song, yeah. even if they don't like, you know, quote, art, you know, and... I think that just shows us how important it is. You know, art just takes us to a different place out of the yeah. mundane and shows us sort of a, a doorway or a pathway into another way of thinking or another realm, um, another, yeah, I think doorways open when you look at art and you allow yourself to experience things I mean, sometimes I go to a museum or a gallery and I'm really, I just kind of go and I look around and I just want to get out of there. That usually doesn't happen. But, you know, um, if there's a lot of people around, like at an opening or something, you can't really look at the art and absorb it. But going to a museum, um, my attention span is limited. So whenever I go to a museum, I can't spend hours and hours there, but I usually pick out a couple things that I'm just sort of fixate on and they just transport me into something else. Yeah. Um, into thinking about uh, more in depth about the subject matter and thinking about process and process is always so connected with, with, with the content of the work too. I think they really go hand in hand and yeah. I, I and you mentioned in, in, in talking about um, museums and I think in talking about art as you know I mean I think fundamentally I think it's tough to talk about exactly what you said is like what would we do without art and I think when you pose that question you really drive it at somebody like no music and none of this and none of this people can no longer comprehend, particularly if they're sensitive to art. They're like, I don't understand life then. And that's why I love the question so much because mm -hmm. if it seems so fundamental to existence, whether we realize it or not, then what, it, <laughs> what is it that's compelling us and uh, driving us? But your particular mention of museums too, um, I, I probably adore art museums more than any other type of space that I know of. And I had a great transformative experience when I was much younger. I think I was in my twenties and I realized one thing when I was going through the museum and I kept going to museums and it wasn't my background. I didn't know why I was doing it, but I kept going. And I realized that my description, my experience, I said this, if you're a believer and you go to your place of worship and you feel it, that's what I feel at a museum. Oh. I, 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 am, I am at my place of true worship. I believe in what's going on and the environment is set up for me to inhabit that. So it's a spiritual experience. So I felt a kinship with those, you know, that 
analogy. Oh, that's and, beautiful. That's really beautiful. I love that. Thank you. And it's so for me, then I was like, in my head, there was a switch. I'm like, well, I'm going to a magic place. That's why I want to go to museums. And that's why if it's a little bit more expensive than I probably should spend at a certain point being like, oh, that's an expensive entry, but I'm going. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm paying my donation. <laughs> right, right. You can donate, you know, a dollar or something. I know, I know. And I didn't, I didn't mean to just like say just museums or galleries. I mean, I mean, it just... Well, for you, for you, I'm sorry to interrupt. I know, um, I'm sorry just to jump in, but with your public art, and I love the concept of your public art where you inhabit it. Talk about your public art and the idea of mm. art being to the people, right? Maybe not as exclusive as some of those institutions, but to the people. Right, right. I, I just, I love the idea of having more and more and more public art around. It, it doesn't seem to be happening right now, but I know there's, I know there are public art projects happening all over the place in just in our state of Oregon. And because I see the calls, I get emails all the time about this project and that project. And, and if you, um, I ride my bike a lot and I ride around Eugene and I see all the beautiful murals here. There are so many beautiful murals and I'll still, even though I live here, I ride around and I'm like, oh, I, I don't even remember seeing this mural and it's gorgeous. And I mean, that's a whole other art form, mural making in itself. But um, the public art that I, that I have done and I would love to do more at some point, um, you know, I've done three or four projects and it's been really gratifying because I know that so many people are seeing them and they're part of an environment and they're, beautifying the public space and god knows we need help with that <laughs> yeah and so <laughs> and so it is it is very gratifying to be able to do that and and it's also really complicated you know public art you're dealing with so many people and agencies and this and that and it's completely different than just being in your studio doing exactly what you want to do right so um but I am very grateful for that experience, having had those experiences, and it it has been very gratifying, um, especially when they're over, <laughs> when they're done. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think the um, and and I I I love what you had to say about because I I was recently in um, uh, in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, and um. I was there and I was too busy, like every place I visit, I look to go to a museum, um, but schedules and it's a really down economy at this time down there. It's, it's all strange to figure out what was going on. So I was like, well, man, I'm usually doing my art museum, but I walked around the city. Of course, I love walking and I'm walking, I'm going here and there. And I'm like, my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. Like I got to leave the art museum. That was the public. It was the murals. It was, there was a, just a very intense, I don't know, dedication to public display of art that was, that was all around. And it was indigenous. It was, you know, urban. It was, it was, it was everything um, there. And I was like, I'm walking around in the thing I wanted to do at my free time, which was, which was the public art. And so it was a great experience and it was a learning thing for me to be like, when I go to Chicago, I go into the art Institute of Chicago for sure. But 
the art is also all around and I love your contributions to, to public art and, you know, the idea of how we inhabit that same space publicly, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things I thought about when you were just talking, you know, and how you feel about you walk into an art museum and you feel like you're having this spiritual experience. I, when I walk into a beautiful forest, I feel something similar too. And so, and I know that's not just me. <laughs> and I know it has, you know, obviously it's so many millions and millions of people. And there's also the idea that you're, that the phenomenon of uh, your eyes are taking in all the fractals in the environment. So that, you know, the fractals in the trees, the fractal, every plant and, you know, they're taking in and that, that effect that it has on the brain. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very interested in fractals. Um, a good friend of mine is a scientist, he's a physicist, but he, he works with fractals. He's also an artist too. Um, Richard Taylor from the University of Oregon. And he is, you know, that a rare breed of scientist and true artist too. Yeah. Yeah. And he studies fractals and the effect that they have on the brain. And he designs carpet that is fra with fractal patterns that goes into industrial buildings wow. and like ceiling tiles that have fractal patterns on them. I mean, it's just wonderful. So that I just wanted to mention that because I have always found his work really fascinated and fascinating and how he brings that art science together, which is so interesting to me. I mean, in the future, I would really like to work with um, more scientists doing collaboration. And I think collaboration is really important. And that's uh, somewhere where I'm focusing now going to collaborate with other artists and yeah. scientists. And uh, I think the way scientists work is so interesting. I mean, scientists, they do all these experiments and me meant most of them fail because yeah. they're experiments. And I think artists, that's the way I work as an artist. <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, artists usually don't talk about the piles of work they have that, that aren't, that isn't working or they cut it up and they put it into something else. Or, um, you know, I think that you have to be willing to just keep on experimenting and trying things that, might not work and yeah and that's okay actually that's a really really healthy thing to do and i can't remember the facts about thomas edison but i think he did thousands of experiments before he actually was successful with electricity so Yes, the process. It's all in the process. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, I mean, I love, I love, um, I love you mention of science too. Because certainly, it's another thing that's not just like, oh, science is over here and, and and art is over here. Except you know, we we cut it up that way as humans for yeah. for for some reason. But I know on the show, even taking you know the something rather than nothing, which is like super big and maybe not supposed to be an art question, but it's a philosophy question as well. But um, I, I've I've been trying to pull at times because for me, scientists is just is is absolutely equivalent or something to trying to answer whether it's the Big Bang or mm -hmm. why 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 anything's here. But um, 
there's deep beauty and creativity in science that I think maybe in our popular consciousness, we don't realize or think about whether it's the perseverance of an artist or taking a creative approach, their unique scientific mind to answer the question uh, that's there, that's very creative, that's, uh, that artists can sync up with. So the dichotomy of art and science, I think you and I would probably agree is, you know, it's just a way of thinking, but probably not the proper way of um, approaching and hearing about, uh, I believe it was uh, Richard Taylor, I believe you mentioned about mm -hmm. you observing the kind of great proficiency art, great proficiency science. I think that that intuitively makes sense, but it's also very nice to witness somebody doing it right at the same time. Yes, yes. And I think scientists have to work out of the box. I think that's how they actually invent things. I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm speaking for scientists now. I don't know, but I know that they have to experiment a lot. And I think artists have to do that too. I mean, sometimes I see artists doing the same work decade after decade. And I couldn't, I just couldn't do that. I would get, I, I just like to really mix it up. And, and, you know, there are common threads through my work, all through my work, but um, the appearance and the manifestation is different. Um, so anyway, that's another tangent. Hey, like I said, and well, and the thing is, uh, uh, I, 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 I love, um, you know, and I see it in your work too, not just, I mean, we think about the oceans and, and the earth, but the, the, the stars and, and, and mm -hmm. the universe of why all that, because I see, I see, you know, strong elements of the universe in, in, in your work and sometimes cutting it up for an artist isn't really uh, useful. Um, the power of the ocean uh, living out mm -hmm. here on the, on the West coast. And I'm from uh, Rhode Island, the ocean state. So when it comes to the environment, I find myself very sensitive to ocean environments or at peace mm -hmm. around, uh, around water. All right. We've been uh, hinting along the edges. Uh, there's the idiosyncratic question. That's the, the title of the show. <laughs> uh is is uh for you to have the opportunity to answer is you know why is there something rather than nothing like why why we do it why we why we doing these things why we create anything why why is there why do you think there's something rather than than nothing i really don't know the answer to that question <laughs> that's okay it's okay but when like when I think of, I've thought of that question for weeks now, because I knew you were going to ask me. And, and it's like toxic. It's a toxic idea that I introduce into yeah. the art. And I don't know, I like when I, my mind starts to think of nothing, I honestly, I don't know what the, nothing is. So I, I don't know if I could really answer the question, but uh, rather than nothing, um, I want to go back to a moment ago when you were talking about the ocean, yeah. the oceans and the 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 uh the solar system outer space um this new and this might pertain to your question down the down in a minute it does uh, we'll declare it that it does pertain to the question okay, right <laughs> okay good <laughs> um so so this new series i've been working on for the past year and a half um you know it started out to be about the ocean and ocean life. And then um, these sort of 
pretty much spontaneously, these uh, celestial maps started popping up. Maps of, from the, of the solar system and star formations. And, uh, you know, I, was looking, I started to look at Hubble spacecraft photographs and they just started to pop in. And I realized I'm just gonna go with this, you know, the deep ocean and the deep space. Um, just, it's, it was so interesting to me to draw the connections in, in forms, for example, with this beautiful undersea uh, creature and star formations in the Milky Way. Yeah. They look, there's so many similarities of form. So I really enjoy um, sort of pointing out those connections from these two very, very different places, but both places are very mysterious. Both yeah. places are really beautiful. Both places we really can't figure out in a way, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just incomprehensible the vastness of it all and the the scope of it all i i declared that i declared that that art piece that meshes the magnitude and power of the ocean in in the cosmos as a whole is the proof <laughs> that there is something rather than nothing <laughs> i um <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I, I think I appreciated you picking up back on on oceans again because I think I could do a podcast about oceans. Just anybody who obsesses about them and uh, finds great peace with them. But I, I do I, I just love that part that I know now that I've seen in your work that I didn't know was overt of the collapsing or combination of the the cosmos and the oceans. I I, I just saw visuals. And then I and, and then and then I knew it. But um, I found the, that that one thing about talking about uh, just stepping back more generally about science was one of the reasons I started I stopped studying formal philosophy was that I thought I I, I, I started to study science on my own because I never been taught science the right way. I'll just be honest with you. Whatever way my brain is, I haven't been taught yeah. science science or art the right way. I've self-studied and tried to figure it out. But when I started to study science on my own to the best of my ability, modern physics, quantum mechanics stuff, I realized that there were a few significant questions in philosophy that were useless to discuss. Like I truly believe that my problems in those areas of understanding those questions we're actually pretty resolved by science. And then I'm like, hmm, <laughs> like I think one department's here and one department's here. And um, I immediately just, just, just really learned that there was a great deal in varieties of way of, of approaching this and not necessarily a traditional conceptual way of, you know, Western white philosophy male mm -hmm. philosophy that mm -hmm. it, it had to come from different directions and um i love the integration that's in your work and how you make how we end up thinking or at least i found myself thinking about the that which is much grander and you said in your process of working with you know um the the depiction of oceans that you found yourself finding those patterns of um, the cosmos, or you found that in there and then pulled them together that way. I really wanted to capture what you were saying there. Oh, okay. So, so I collect books with 
ocean creatures, you know, a lot of them are, are microscopic images yeah. and uh, books about astronomy. I have yeah. stacks of them over here. Um, you know, for years I've gone to used bookstores and people have given me books. And so I sort of get all of these images in my brain yeah. and, and also collect images um, from the internet Yep. And I'd like to get into some real scientific labs and collect images that way. I think that would be really interesting. Um, I'm working on that. <laughs> um, okay, now let's see. What was your question? I'm getting off on another tangent. So, so these two things, you know, year, uh, I'd say about 10, 12 years ago, I did, I did a couple of series that were called... So, uh, celestial mapping. Yeah. And so I was using maps in my work. I started collecting maps just, you know, on a small scale. Uh, I know some people are really serious map collectors, but I started reading books about maps and um, just maps are so beautiful to me. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I have them hanging in my studio. I have drawers of maps that I've found in different second sand stores or that people have given me and I just hang them up in my studio and it's sort of like a, this process of absorbing visual information and then in the process of making art it, it kind of just comes out <laughs> if yeah. that makes any sense yeah and in the drawing process you know I draw a lot um and it just sort of happens. It's not a forced thing, I would say. I, it sort of happens and then I go with it. And yeah, so I think that's pretty much how it works for me, how, how I work with images. And, and I really... Um, I know that being in certain places really enhances my ability to, you know, it's sort of in a peaceful place um, within myself and without, it enhances my ability to work, um, yeah. sort of to get that flow going and. To um, go where you go, where you need to go to, right, to get to the right. place you, you know, need to go. I, I do a meditation practice to help me with that. And, you know, there's a lot of um, things I feel like I do in my life so that I can be in the place to be creative that I'm always working on doing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. It's been, it's been amazing to talk to you, Talmadge. Um, I, uh, I uh, wanted to mention a couple, a couple, just a couple artists that I honestly been in. I got different things in the back of my head because we've been talking so much. But uh, I was just thinking the entire time we're dis uh, discussing. One of the guests I had on is Elizabeth Beston, uh, and she does a lot of uh, cataloging and kind of like artistic photographic capture. And she does this out in uh, England. And I had her on the show a while, but I found it deeply fascinating where somebody who's using photography in order to show me this the let's i don't know the the strange and wild world of sea creatures when you look at it you're like does that thing come out of the ocean just all the wonder of what's in in the ocean and the yeah. other 
The other artist I was thinking of um, has been uh, based in Eugene at times is Christopher St. John, painter and sculptor who, um, and when we're talking about the environment and, and he, the, the environment and the importance of animals it's it's so present in his both his painting and in his in his sculpture christopher st john so oh, I'll i think definitely it, look it, him up yeah what, what was the first artist she mentioned elizabeth elizabeth beston and you can find her on instagram she's actually been on uh the show as okay. has uh christopher and i was just really it's been nice for me to think about um that kind of ocean stuff and maybe it was like um I, I see Christopher as a, a Eugene artist in the, I don't know, just a way that means something for me and, and, and with the and environmentalism and it, it all makes sense to me. Um, but I think it's been nice to hear about the all the different places we go in our conversation, thinking about science, uh, the ocean, thinking about concepts of why, why things are, but even mundane aspects of process in art to help us breathe and keep us going um mm -hmm. before we let you go i need you to tell um the audience and myself uh where are they going to go see the works we've been talking about where they can find you on the internet the web things that you can share so people can more closely connect uh beyond this show to the work that you do right right well i have a website which is talmadgedoyle.com, double L, like tall, talmadgedoyle.com. And I'm on Instagram, talmadgedoyle, pretty easy. <laughs> and then I do show my work at several galleries and at the Augen Gallery in Portland, at the Karen Clark Gallery in Eugene. I'll have a Great show. Great gallery. Love that gallery, Karen Clark. Yeah, I'll Love have it. a show at the Karen Clark Gallery in October next year. Wonderful. So, so I have time to get ready. <laughs> That's good. Year and a few months away. And um, the Seattle Art Museum Gallery, which is a really nice space. It's where they show regional artists at the Art Museum yeah. in Seattle. And then the Davidson Gallery in Seattle, which is a fabulous print gallery. They focus on prints. They have um, an antique print collection, a modern collection, and a contemporary print print collection. They just have thousands of prints at the Davidson Gallery. I would highly recommend people in Seattle or when you visit Seattle, visit the Davidson Gallery. It's really quite an extraordinary place. Sam Davidson has had the gallery in, it's in Pioneer Square for many years. Yeah. And he is an avid print lover and you got to love the guy. <laughs> yeah. So, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm fortunate to have those gallery connections. I mean, I know so many artists that are fabulous artists that don't really have, you know, representation out there. And I know that that's not really the direction that a lot of artists are going in terms of, uh, you know, so many galleries or the whole gallery scene is just growing and changing and maybe disappearing. I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, and, and as far as the visibility or how you have things seen as an artist, I got to I got to tell you, I've realized and, and I, I mean this truly uh, with a lot of artists I encounter on the podcast, I end up 
and truthfully and completely dumbfounded at times by the sheer unique brilliance of what artists are doing out there that I feel that I can see or maybe others can see or a hundred or a thousand people see and they know. And I find the question so fascinating is when you encounter things like that, I feel that everybody, you at must least encounter this brilliant thing for this reason, just so you're in contact with it and to experience it. And uh, I, I think I think a lot of people assume that maybe like great or brilliant art is going to find its way through, but it's a big world. It's mm -hmm. a big world for artists. And um, I, I think, um, I think if anybody's bored in their particular interest area art, sometimes people say, Oh, there hasn't been any, no good music out or it still sounds the same. I, I, I just laugh because it's yeah. so vast there's so much just look where you need to look and um you know the pressures of our culture doesn't really allow for that all the time but I, right. I like spending time and saying goodness gracious Talmadge Doyle she's not that far away from me and look <laughs> there's these brilliant work she's doing so I really um I really appreciate your time in in the discussion your kind of openness to um, to range around uh, about these uh, about these topics. I, I, I love your work. I, I particularly like what, um, honestly, I'm an intellectual. So I love what they, what the, at least initially and in seeing a lot of stuff, what they spur for me as far as um, thinking about what you're doing. But um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's different ways I think your work uh, pulls people in. That just happens to be my, my unique uh, piece. But um, Talmadge, thank you so much for your time. I hope you've uh, uh, enjoyed banding about these uh, philosophical questions. Um, I just really appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Ken. It's, it's really good to be asked these kinds of questions. It gets me thinking and talking more. And yes, yes, it's been, it's been really fun. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. And uh, everybody, check out Talmadge's work. Um, and if you're lucky, uh, in particular, uh, you know, some of the locations in the Pacific Northwest over time in uh, Seattle and Portland, which I'm one of the unique people who love those cities just about equally because I'm from the outside and I love them equally. So I don't have to choose Portland or Seattle. I think they're Mm. both wonderful so if you I, get it i used to live in seattle so i have a fondness for it <laughs> I, I really enjoy both and uh yeah. that 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 that's great to hear uh talmadge doyle thank you uh so much please keep creating art for us and uh hope to uh talk to you again soon yeah thanks ken thanks keep in touch all right bye now This is something rather than nothing.